The Money Podcast by best-selling author of Money, Rob Moore, dives into how to make, manage, and master money. How to know more, make more, and give more. How to save, invest, and raise money. The Money Podcast is for anyone who wants to make more money in a job, profession, or passion. For money masters and money disasters. They say money doesn't make you happy. Rob says it does. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Eight ways to find more clients, more customers with more cash. Now, before I go into these eight ways, a couple of things to set the scene because I think it's really, really important because some people, they get really annoyed with time wasters, tire kickers and freebie seekers. But the reality of acquiring customers and clients and growing your business and getting more leads is you're never going to convert 100%. You're never going to get your ideal client every single time. And why are you entitled to have only high paying, you know, non-time wasting, friendly, respectful clients? Because we all have harder clients and easier clients. We all have to work harder for some business than others. And that's the natural way of business. So don't be unrealistic about it. A lot of people, as soon as a client gets a bit difficult, they're like, oh, I don't want to do it anymore. Whereas in fact, often some of your more challenging clients teach you the most about your business, your pricing, your service, and actually are a great gift to you. Now, that being said, the qualifier out of the way, here are the eight uh, best ways, I believe, to find more clients more quickly with more cash. So the first way, and I know some of you will be looking for what's the hack? What's the, you know, where do you go to get them robbed? Just tell me where to go and I'll get them all. It's, it's not quite like that. There are some things I'm going to share with you like that. But the first thing is, it's your messaging that's most important. So your messaging, so your marketing, your collateral, your copy, um, your story, your message is both the attractor and the qualifier. So, you know, who you draw in and who you push away for your message, your product and, and your service. So you have to be very clear and specific with what you write on your website, in your bio, on your material, in your titles, on your lives, the content that you cover. So if you're very clear and specific about your market and who you help and who you don't help and who you serve and maybe who's not right for you, then you are likely to repel the wrong kind of clients and attract the right kind of clients. And linked to that is also your pricing, by the way. Because if you charge £30,000 for a watch, you repel a lot of people who can't afford £30,000 for a watch. And that's obviously good, as long as there's a market for that. And look at Patek Philippe and Odomars P. Game Rolex, there's definitely a market for that. So go through all of your collateral, your messaging, your titling, your benefits, your story, your copy, and check the reading it that you're not hedging. Because some people say that they kind of help anyone. Um, or they're not really clear and specific about their target and their niche and who they work for and who their ideal client is. And tighten that and all of a sudden you'll repel more time wasters and you'll attract more of the right kind of people. Now, a lot of people are scared to do that because they want to hedge and be a, a client, um, you know, a company for everyone or anyone because they're worried about not having business. But the problem with that is your ideal client can't see why you are specific and, and could help them and are bespoke to them so they don't find you. and Anyone and everyone who's just kind of time wasting and searching and researching, they'll come and find you because they can hedge their bets on you because you're hedging your bets on them. Okay. The second thing, which thing, which is linked to the first thing and pricing is you've got to be very clear who you're targeting. Who is your ideal client? So for example, I used Odomar's Piguet as an example. It's one of my favorite brands. 
Now, um, my guess is the average person who has an Odomars PGA probably has four, five, six watches. They probably bought a Rolex first because Rolex make a million plus units a year and Odomars PGA makes 70 odd thousand a year. They, they may play certain sports like golf. I mean, they're sports watches, so that, you know, or, or motor racing or stuff like that. So they can start to get really clear on who their kind of client is because they don't want to spend all their money to find someone to buy one watch. They want to spend their money to find someone who might buy 15 watches in the course of their life. And where would they find those people? So once you know a, a type of client, um, so what kind of watch they wear, you know what kind of clothes they wear, um, where, they, where they shop and where they travel to and how they travel. And, and you can start getting a really clear picture, not just of the product and service around what you provide, but in a peripheral manner as well. And then you get really clear on who you're targeting. Um, the Patek Philippe has a brilliant um, slogan, which is you never own a Patek Philippe. You merely um, uh, hold on to it for the next generation. So they're looking for people with wealth, but people who want to pass them down to their children and maybe buy a watch, uh, you know, was it called an heirloom or something like that? OK, now the, those two are really important, by the way, and they will naturally attract the right and repel the wrong kind of clients to you and from you so that you'll have less wastage, less customer service, less overhead and less admin and less friction in increasing your sales. Okay, the third thing then is being clear on your positioning. So are you Casio or are you Tag or are you Amiga or are you Rolex or are you Patek Philippe? So what's your positioning? Are you Primark or are you Alexander McQueen? Um, and knowing your position is really important, especially if you're a coach, consultant, trainer, educator. Uh, there's a lot of people who um, are, are, are trained themselves up in that. They're, they're running... Um, online courses, they're selling their time and their experience, but they're not really clear where they fit. Uh, and you've got coaches at £30 an hour and you've got Tony Robbins at a million pound retainer plus. Now, sometimes you want to position yourself higher, but you're not there yet because of your experience. So you want to build up towards there. And because when you know your position, the branding, the color, the font, the logo, the messaging, the marketing, the style, it all links to that position. You can't be anything to everyone. You can't be a full service pro provider across the board. Of course, you've got Aldi and Lidl, and then you've got Waitrose and Marks and Spencers, and they know their position. Okay, so the fourth thing then, although we've covered probably five or six, is you always want to be testing new and existing lead sources, and not just for quantity, but for quality. So most people, when they're doing lead generation, they're looking for a volume of leads, but they actually don't know if those leads are the right kind of leads of the right kind of quality. So there's kind of quite a few bits to this. The first thing is always be testing multiple sources and streams of leads. It's really important. So Amazon ads, Spotify ads, Google ads, Facebook ads, list rentals, joint ventures and reciprocals, shows, exhibitions, public speeches, radio ads, TV ads, print ads. Um, I could go on and on and on and on. Um, but in, and then you've got to test the volume of those lead sources. Are they um, giving you the amount of leads that you need to scale your business? But then you need to work out for through which lead source and each lead source, do they convert into buyers? And what's the average cost per buyer so that you can then work out the quality of leads? Because we've had um, lead sources that have cost £400 per buyer, but then the buyer spent £50. And then we've had lead sources that have cost 50 or £70 per buyer, but then they've had £3,000 or £5,000 spend per buyer. And they're obviously really different. And you turn off or you edit and change the ads that don't work 
and you scale up and increase the volume of the, the ads that do. Really important to always be testing new sources and the, the copy, the journey, the style and the conversion of the ad. Now, of course, the marketing that you do is quite specific to your niche. There's general things that we can all do, maybe Facebook ads and Google ads and things like that. And then there's specific things in your niche, maybe exhibitions, trade shows, maybe networking events, etc. Okay, number five then is your best clients hang around with people who are like them. So your best clients are probably a great source of more best clients. So getting referrals from your best clients because people hang around with people like them and people know people like them, that's going to be a great source of your leads. So a lot of people have got clients, but they haven't really ordered them. You should keep a league table in a spreadsheet of the quality of your clients from top to bottom, i.e. those that have spent the most uh, and maybe down to those that have spent the least. And maybe if you could put some kind of metrics on it, like lifetime client value or per head revenue or spend, or even have a quality score of your customer and the ones that take up a lot of customer service and admin, they may go near the bottom. Of course, this is a confidential document. It's not something you're going to post online, but you do that to rank your best clients who are the least customer service, the most grateful. They cost maybe the least to acquire. They spend the most. And then what you want to do is offer them really good incentives to refer people to you because those best clients are going to go know people just like them. And a lot of people, they do, they're doing referrals, but they're not doing it in a targeted or specific way to their ideal clients. You also then want to reverse engineer. Where did you find those ideal clients from? So if you've got this list of, say, 20 of your ideal clients who are like perfection manifested, if you could just have 100 of these clients, you'd be made. Well, you find out where you found those clients, what lead source, you scale up the lead source there. What was the marketing and messaging? What was the time of year, etc.? And you, you reverse engineer where you find, found those clients to go and find more clients from that place. Okay, next then is uh, relevant niched Facebook groups. There are other online groups, but usually the Facebook groups are the best at the moment. They seem to have really grown, whereas maybe the LinkedIn groups, not so much. Now, the great thing about Facebook groups is there's a group for everything. So a group that I'm in quite a, a lot is called um, High-End high Hi-Fi for the Passionates. It's something like that. Uh, and that's for people who like um, those speakers are Wilson's back there. So they like the, the higher-end Hi-Fi brand. Uh, and there's a lot of very wealthy people in there who have very expensive systems, like I'm talking quarter of a million pounds up to maybe two million pounds for a hi-fi system. And if you're a hi-fi dealer and you set up a hi-fi group and you call it a high-end hi-fi group and you attract all the people who buy high-end hi-fi, you've got a load of captive audience um, clients there ready and waiting just by creating the group and, setting, uh, and put it, making the community available to people. So if you want to think smart and naturally, you want to set up your own group and be very clear on the positioning of it. Uh, but also other dealers can go and join that group and get to know people and offer value and share pictures of systems uh, and answer people's questions when they're demoing certain products. So what's the best cartridge? What's the best turntable? Um, have you got any demos that I can try, etc.? And then they can build up some business that way. So Facebook groups are a huge thing right now. Uh, the, the seventh is the traditional way. Get off your ass, get out there and go and do lots of networking. So there will be specific networking events that are right for your business or your industry. And whether that's Angels Den, London Business Angels, the more social ones, my business partner, Mark Homer, he loves to go to shoot meets and he goes to charity balls. Um, he flies his helicopter and he's in quite a lot of uh, bigger social clubs. Um, could you go to any charity balls, openings or, or functions or higher end business networking events or commercial property networking events in and around your area? Get out to as many as you can. And then over time, you'll work out where have your better client sources 
and where maybe are not the right position for you and then you sort of drop the ones that aren't right for you and scale up and go more to the ones that are right for you. And then final point, point eight. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you found it useful. This is going to be on the money podcast, by the way. I'm pointing here because I'm recording it on my Zoom page. One. Uh, okay, so collaborations and joint ventures with the right partners who have similar clients. So I'll give you an example. Um, if you have a Range Rover, I just bought my wife a, a new Range Rover, and Meridian is the hi-fi system in there, which is a nice high-end system. Um, a slightly cheaper cars might have Bose. Um, I think Audis do Bang & Olufsen. Um, Porsche actually do Burmester. Now, these are both are sort of the mid-end, and then Burmester and Meridian are, are the higher-end. In fact, I think um, Bentley have Name Audio, N-A-I-M. And these are high-end um, hi-fi brands. So these hi-fi brands partner with these car brands at the right position for their brand. So if you buy a Range Rover and you, list, and you know that the system's Meridian and you like that, you might buy a Meridian system for your home. If you buy an Audi and you like Bang & Olufsen, you might buy a Bang & Olufsen system for your home. It's very clever. Um, and re- generally, brands are good, you know, bigger brands, at finding partners in different niches and partnering with them because there's a good crossover of ideal client. And that's something that you can do in the form of joint ventures, collaborations. I'm starting to do more collaborations on my YouTube channel and collaborating with people. I'm doing one with Jamie Alderton, who's an awesome guy. He's a fitness guy. He's got a great following. He's also a smart businessman. And we're doing a, um, a video collaboration, hoping that you know we, uh, a lot of fitness people follow me. Not for fitness, clearly. <laughs> um, and a lot of business people follow him. So that should be a good match. Okay, so I hope you found this useful. Let me summarize it for you. Um, and then before I do, remember that this is going on the Money Podcast. So my podcast, Money, you can find it on iTunes or Stitcher. Just search Money and my name. Um, I'm really upping the volume of content on my money podcast. Uh, so eight ways to find customers with cash. The first way is making sure that your marketing messages are speaking clearly to your ideal client demographic and be clear and niche and specific on your messaging to, for who you attract and who you repel. Uh, number two, be very clear on who that ideal profile is that you are targeting. Um, number three, be very clear on your positioning. Are you Casio? Are you Tag, Amiga, Rolex, Odomars, Piguet or Patek Philippe? Um, number four, always test new and existing lead sources for quality and quantity. And then when you find good quality, um, double down on the spend and scale that up. Number five, your best clients are going to know people just like them. So your new best clients are going to come from your existing best clients. So make sure that you have a really good, sweet referral ambassador scheme and encourage your best clients to refer clients to you. And number six, make sure you're in relevant niche Facebook groups and other online communities. I gave you an example of the high-end hi-fi group that I'm in, where if you're a hi-fi dealer, you've probably got half the, the business you'd ever need in that one group. Number seven, actually get out to good old-fashioned networking events, because there's very specific niche networking. The lower-end ones, you know, that sort of pay £10 and you go and meet people, and then the higher-end, more sort of sophisticated ones, and go to the ones that are positioned where your brand positioning is. And then number eight, collaborations, joint ventures with the right partners who have similar clients, like Bose might with, um, is it BM, what, what are Bose in? Bose were in Nissan because I had a 350Z years and years and years ago. Bang & Olufsen with Audi, Meridian with Range Rover, Name with Rolls-Royce, um, Burmester with Porsche, you get them. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. And I hope to see you listening to the Money Podcast. Mm-hmm.